three, two, one. Sam O, oh, welcome to this TechBound conversation. It's a pleasure to have you on. For everybody who does not know Sam yet, Sam is the director of product education at Hrefs and handles the video stuff. Uh, he's been in SEO since 2010, uh, used to run an agency, has been through multiple acquisitions, and also has been one of the most demanded next guests on TechBound Conversations. So I'm super pumped to have you on, Sam. One thing you also just told me is that your golf handicap is about 11, and you were thinking about going pro at some point. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, it was kind of naive. Uh, I started golf really late, so uh, basically I got dragged out in a foursome because they needed a fourth and then I played and I think the first time I played I shot like 118 or something and they're like that's actually really good for a first timer and I was like really and so then at that time like my current life stage I had just completed an acquisition and so I guess it was like early retirement for around a year or so and so I basically played golf as much as I could and I got better really quick and then I hired a, a coach and he started training me and I started getting better, 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 better really fast. And so I was like, you know, I talked to my wife and I was like, what do you think if like I became a pro golfer? And she's like, you know, being the good wife that she is, she's just <laughs> like, I support whatever you want to do. And I was like, all right. And so I basically committed like a summer and a half to it. And eventually my body started breaking down from just like age. Like I'm, I'm not you know, these kids that had started learning when they were six. And so I realized it's just not practical. I was just kind of in that state of mind because I just like winning. So it's just like I just wanted to keep doing it. And I was like, if I put my mind to it, then I'll, I'll figure it out. And sure, like I'll join the PGA Tour or I'll join the Champions Tour when I'm 65 or something and, and somehow become a pro golfer. But yeah, that obviously didn't work out. Wow. I have a strong feeling that this kind of theme of wanting to win is going to be like a recurring one throughout this whole conversation. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> probably. Uh, what's, the course, uh, what's the agency or the acquisition that you had been through? Uh, so the agency was a little bit different, and it kind of started by accident. So uh, a, my partner and I, we were working on like separate things. So like he was doing some local SEO stuff and some web design stuff. And then I was just getting referrals, and those referrals slowly just started getting better and better. And so I started uh, working with, um, I worked with, uh, do you know Russell Peters? Barely, yeah. Comedian. So like it was actually his DJ, which was just kind of fun, fun to work with. And then just like slowly but surely started building networks. And then I learned from one of my friends who was working for an agency. Uh, basically, they partnered with a bank in Canada. And they would just send them leads over and over and over. And I was like, how do I get a piece of that? And so eventually, like my partner and I, we started going through uh, different strategies. We eventually got in. And so we didn't even have a website, but we were just constantly, constant pouring in. And it usually started with a slide deck, uh, just the proposal. And then basically, uh, we cut commissions between the bank in ourselves and then we were able to upsell them on whatever we wanted and so that's kind of how it worked out for us uh, the acquisition was for an e-commerce site and it was one of my first sites and that one it did pretty well and that's when I actually started playing golf uh, was after that one sold off it was right after I got married so that was just kind of fun to have the first year uh, of being married just to spend like undivided attention with my wife at the time so wow and then what was, how did the next, I, I do assume that the next step from there was Ahrefs. How did that come to be? No. So yeah, that, like the acquisition that I'm talking about right now was 2012. 
the agency, my uh, basically, so like long story short with the whole Ahrefs story, um, like the way that I joined Ahrefs was through a lead generation experiment. So I was trying to turn Ahrefs into a client and that like, like the whole concept was based around like if people are posting job posts, then that means that there's intent to hire. So whether that be someone in-house or an agency or whatever, let's see if it works. If I apply for four job posts that I'm qualified for, will someone hire me and can I turn them into a client as opposed to becoming in-house? And so with Ahrefs, like Tim and I started talking and it was like the longest hiring process. It was an eight-month hiring process. And we eventually came to terms. And at that time, we were having our second child. And I kind of knew that when that would happen, uh, I had to choose between work and family just because my days were like 16 plus hour days. And so for myself, I decided that it was time for me to bow out of agency life and maybe I just wasn't doing it right. But um, yeah, I basically just wanted to spend more time with my family and I guess, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I was just kind of sick and tired with it, which is why I also sold off the e-commerce site. I just get tired of, of certain things like that, that where I just don't feel challenged anymore. And so that's kind of what happened with, uh, with all that. What's your biggest challenge right now? Oh, geez, man. Like uh, right now I'm working on a certification course for Ahrefs and it's actually very, very tricky because Ahrefs is very technical. Like you know how much data is in there and then understanding where that data comes from uh, and interpretation of that data, which I feel like most people aren't doing to its full potential because they don't really know exactly where all the data comes from. Uh, that's a huge challenge right now. It's just like, yeah, it's crazy right now. And so I'm, I'm trying to muscle through it. I'm probably around 65% of the way through. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably my biggest challenge at Ahrefs right now is that course. It's my Everest. <laughs> the Everest and then comes the second peak um, no I'm sure there's a lot of good stuff happening at Ahrefs I mean you guys are, are certainly killing it and um, yeah when I look at the way that you market and, and, and set the bar for other sites and other tool vendors as well like it's pretty impressive also with your YouTube channel uh, I think that has been growing pretty well and you're kind of the, the lead figure in this whole kind of strategy um, I was curious like what, what was it like to start the YouTube channel? Like what spurred the decision and what was the plan in the beginning? Yeah, so like like I said, like my hire to Ahrefs was, like I applied for a, a lead gen position basically um, and I ended up getting hired for a content role. So originally we didn't really have a plan and we just kind of started throwing out ideas and I think we started with uh, creating these like short little sound bites of uh, a tip you can use in Ahrefs and then we would eventually publish that. And we, we made like 12 videos. We only published one and we found that it just didn't do well. And we just kept talking and then we wanted to rebuild the academy. So uh, Ahrefs Academy had like, a, I don't know, a bunch of videos and the tool had been updated quite a bit since then. So uh, I was in charge of, of rebuilding that, and I did that. And the problem with that was that we were only reaching um, like our existing audience, so people who are interested in Ahrefs, uh, whatever that may be. And so I suggested, like, let's start going for search. Like, we're an SEO company, let's start going for search, or SEO tool company, I should say. And so we started going for search, and we I started by repurposing blog posts. So I'd basically just take 
like the the headings from the blog posts, and then I would just write scripts of like how I would present it. And eventually that started doing decently. And then like, I'm not a video guy, like by trade, I don't really have much experience with that, but I'm kind of a, a figure it out kind of guy. So I just, I was forced into this position of grow the YouTube channel somehow. And so I just started trying different things. I paid a lot of attention to analytics in terms of like, why are people dropping off? Like, what are people interested in? Uh, what is producing the highest number of clicks? Um, comments, like in the beginning when you're, I think we were at like 12,000 subscribers when I started. Um, yeah, I was basically just analyzing like, how are people responding to this? And how does it perform in search? How does YouTube's algorithm work compared to Google's? And there's not much documentation or studies on it. Uh, as there is with Google. And so it was basically through pure observation uh, as to what's going on, what's causing our, our pages to rank, or not our pages, sorry, our videos to rank. And slowly but surely, I kind of started to figure things out. And and yeah, now we're we're ranking for at least in the top three, four, five for pretty much every keyword we've gone after. So like our search, our search traffic is, I think, the last I checked, I think it was at around 110,000 per month. And then we have all the other traffic sources. So I think last month we hit over half a million. So that was fun. Oh, it's kind of hard to believe that you didn't have video experience before that because you come across pretty naturally. I think the videos are very, like, a good mix of entertaining and educating. They look pretty, like, fleshed out. So it sounds like, like either... It very much seems like you have you're you're very fast figured out kind of guy. Yeah, but we have a team, so it's like we have it's a small team, but uh, we have our uh, our animator who is amazing, like he's absolutely amazing, and then we have uh, a guy who George who handles production now, uh, and then so basically I had to figure it all out on my own, and then I started creating SOPs and we started assigning everything. So now I'm basically just script and record. Um, so it's become a, a well-oiled system where, you know, we can put all this stuff together, work on multiple projects at once and start to actually build up a queue. But yeah, it's, it's been fun. Like the, the figure it out part was, was the fun part. That was my challenge when I joined. And, uh, and now it's, it's more just become a, yeah, there's still challenges with it, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Of course. Um, would you mind walking me through your process when creating a new video? I mean, um, I'm sure there's some research going on and then I'm also very, specifically interested in the script writing process and then the kind of, I, mean, I know that maybe editing is, is being done by the animator or someone else, but what is it, what does it look like? Yeah. So the research phase is, is different now. So I think we're at around 130 something thousand subscribers now. So it's very different because we have an audience on YouTube. Whereas before when we were starting, we didn't. And so uh, in terms of the script writing, that hasn't changed that much. Um, but basically, short intro, uh, or I try to keep it short, um, like the little brand recognition, and then we get into into the actual content. So when I'm writing scripts, I'm basically trying to find a balance between, um, I guess, actionable, uh, entertaining, which is really tough to do for tutorials, uh, and then... A lot of the entertainment actually comes through the video editing. So that's not me, it's them. Uh, and then there is, uh, I guess, like no BS. And it's just so easy to do with with 
marketing is just like to keep things fluffy, even if it doesn't seem that fluffy at first. Uh, and the way that we're able to do that is I write that script, I edit it myself. And the way that I edit it is I try and make it as short as possible. So all of our videos are still between like eight to 15 minutes, but easily that eight minute video can become a 16 minute video if I were to get into all the technical details. So I basically cut out the things where it's like, well, people actually care about that specific detail. Maybe one out of a hundred people will. So forget it, cut it. Um, and so some people will look at it and be like, oh, well, what about this? And in the comments, then we can respond to those people and say, oh, well, you know, this is a, a time when you would do this instead. Um, yeah, so basically I'll do that. And then we have Josh who handles the blog at Ahrefs. And he'll actually go through the script. And his job is basically to question me, is to tell me, hey, like, this doesn't work this way or like this doesn't make sense to me. And then we'll literally argue back and forth in Google Docs. Um, and there's actually been like like pseudo tension created between us. And I do the same for his blog post too. Is before he he publishes a blog post, I go through it and, and I kind of go through the same thing. He'll do things with flow. So he'll be like this. I feel like it'll flow better this way. Um, and then use cases for Ahrefs. Is sometimes I'll have a use case for Ahrefs and he'll say, I think it's better if you do that. Sometimes I'll agree, sometimes I'll disagree. And basically, like this is our entire editorial process at Ahrefs in general for content. And that's the way that we publish at least the best content that we can um, is by looking at those different things. And then I'll go, I use a teleprompter. And so uh, I'll set that up and I'll record the video. Um, and then I'll do a little bit of edits and I'll make some notes for our our producer and he'll go and he'll leave that for our editor. Our editor will actually go and like, he doesn't know SEO really. So, you know, we'll tell him exactly where we want certain things to pop out or certain things to highlight uh, so that he knows and he'll go in and he'll do that. And then we'll go through a finalizing process. So the producer will go and he'll watch it. He'll make sure that everything looks good. And then I'll kind of have the final watch and I'll give my suggestions. And then we have a final product. And wow. then there's like subtitles and stuff, which is all a part of that that happens in between. How many hours do you think go into a single video? Oh, man, that's tough. It depends on the topic. Um, assuming that like if, if they're topics that I'm, I'm very familiar with, I can usually smash out like three to four scripts per week. Uh, that's assuming that like it's something that I can talk about quite easily. And then the editing process, Josh probably takes an hour in there. Um, I would say like if it's, if it's a topic that we know and it's around the 10 minute video, maybe around in terms of man hours, uh, 12, 13 hours of like actual work hours between everyone. Yeah. So it's like, we've, we've gotten it down to, down to a science now. I think before it used to take us like around a week. Um, but yeah, I think things have been optimized since then. It's been two years now, I think. Oh, so it's like roughly an hour per minute, which sounds about right there. Um, and I'm also curious, like, how does the traffic that you get from videos compare to what you get from from SEO or from from like regular organic Google search? And how? I mean, you don't have to say exact numbers, of course, like just roughly. And um, how um, do you, do you kind of have any bridges between written content and video content? What do you mean by bridges? 
Bridges as in like, do you recycle something? Do you integrate mm -hmm. videos a lot into articles? Do you integrate clips and highlights into articles? Or is it still fairly right. separate at the moment? Yeah, so because we're a really lean team, we need to be resourceful. So uh, with the blog, I haven't repurposed the blog post in a really long time, um, but Josh recently has repurposed some videos. So usually it'll go back back and forth. Like if we feel like a blog post will fit in a video format, then I'll repurpose that. If we feel like a video will fit in a blog post format, then we'll repurpose that. Uh, but we'll usually publish like weeks or even months apart. And so like there isn't that, I guess, burnout for our audience where it's just like the same thing over and over again. Uh, and then we try and embed it uh, as much as possible. And so that also helps with video SEO. So uh, like basically we found that if you're ranking in the top 10 and you embed a video, even if it's not yours, when you search in Google and you click on the video tab, for, for us at least, and I don't know exactly what it is, but our our search result just pops up like pretty much top three every time. And it's just, it's like the lowest hanging thing that you can do. And even though there's not that many clicks from the video tab, like I'm looking at Search Console right now and our, our like, uh, like if you set the search type to video, like it's just, it's just a constant growth. Like in the last 28 days from that, 16,000 clicks from, from the video tab. So yeah, like to answer your first question in terms of the traffic comparison, I, I'm quite certain that our blog gets more traffic than um, than YouTube. Like, uh, let's see here. Yeah, last 28 days, nearly 700,000 from organic search for for our blog, and for our, our for our YouTube channel, it's it's over 100,000. But that is also very different in terms of what people are searching for. Like YouTube, there's not that much search volume around. SEO related things, whereas Google, there's a ton. So yeah, it's tough to compare, but yeah, our, our blog and our, our video, like we're very much a team. So it just like, it integrates perfectly. Like if I can somehow promote the blog to send more traffic that way, I will. If they can send more traffic to YouTube, then it's just done that way. It's just whatever will benefit each other's channel. Like it's not a competition. So it's, yeah, it works out really well for us. Like, yeah, Josh and I work really well together in that sense. And so yeah, it's it's definitely helped uh, in overall exposure, I would say. Yeah, and I also get like my understanding is also that YouTube just doesn't want to send traffic away as easily as Google maybe would. So I guess it's mm -hmm. much more of an ecosystem and a like walled garden tries to keep people engaged and keep people watching. Um, how much of of your time would you say flows into into video creation? Most of my time. Yeah, it's most of my time because like. Basically, like the thing that I love about my job is that I'm not I'm not paid to sell Ahrefs. Like there's not a single video where I'll say like, oh, like, so go and try a seven day trial and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I just assume like this is the best way to do it. And if you don't have Ahrefs, here's a free way to do it. But then naturally you see the difference that free is a lot harder. It's a lot slower. It's not as like productive. So it's basically just like, most of my time goes into video creation because that's the education that I'm creating, uh, the educational material that I'm creating. Right now, it's just or for the past several months, it's been a split between the course, um, and that just that takes up a lot more time for less work, of course, less completed work basically. 
Of course, of course, and that makes perfect sense. I also do believe that if you can really focus on one thing, the the result is just so much better than having everyone yeah. write and everyone do videos and so on. Like that's a sure. that's a lesson that I learned more or less the the hard way is that specialization very much pays off um, in, in the grand scheme of things. Um, I'm also curious, how do you measure the success of video as a channel or just as YouTube as a channel? Yeah, so that's tough. Like. That's that's a really tough thing because like I don't have access to things like our our revenue metrics and everything like that, but uh, I I basically had to create my own KPIs. So one of them is uh, overall audience retention. So basically, if people are watching for a good amount of time, and almost in all of our videos, we feature Ahrefs at some point. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then we also have a, a Slack channel uh, where we we have registration. So we see new trials that are coming through. And in those trials, we have a question that said, um, how did you learn about Ahrefs? Mm. And in terms of, I'm not looking necessarily at, at the raw numbers, but I'm looking at the trend because not everyone is going to answer that question or they're not going to, like some people will just throw in a bunch of random characters. Um, but in terms of YouTube, like the the graph is like literally like a hockey stick. So it just keeps going up. So YouTube, in my opinion, is just a huge acquisition channel that people aren't really, especially B2B SaaS, aren't really taking advantage of because uh, they don't quite know how how to work it in their favor with growing an audience as well as converting that audience through educational material. So I feel like we've gotten that down uh, pretty good now. And at the same time, I, I would hope that the videos also help in reduce churn. So as people learn to use our tools better, then they can find more ways to use it throughout and over time, of course, I don't know if that's that's a fact or not. So it's not really measurable for me. But I would wholeheartedly agree. I made the same experience at Atlassian when we started to delve into YouTube and saw fantastic results, just in the ways that you measure uh, that you mentioned, right? like integrating them to articles to to allow people to consume the content in a different format, or just explain things better to them because it's just so much easier to learn through video than text at least in 99 percent of cases um so uh i think the the almost like biggest challenge is in the correct attribution of youtube to yes to things like retention and acquisition um it sounds like you have a, a something to say about that is there something you learned in those regards no like ahrefs is very much like we haven't had google analytics installed for so long and so eventually i had a hard time with that coming from a very heavy lead gen background uh, but I learned to accept it because our product is actually just really good that people organically recommend it. Like we don't really have an affiliate program. We have some affiliates, but we don't really have an open affiliate program. But like the engineers that are creating this product are creating an amazing tool. So eventually I just realized that the way that Ahrefs is growing is an anomaly almost. It's just we get to just show them how we use it and then it starts selling because other people pick this up and then you know certain use cases that i had never heard of from ahrefs now i'm starting to see bloggers write about those use cases and they're starting to use it and they're starting to spread the word for us so we're basically just planting a seed through our content and then now it's starting to spread through word of mouth because people are starting to use those use cases get results and then they recommend it to everyone else so yeah so in terms of like first touch like I'm not even thinking about that stuff anymore. <laughs> Which is, it sounds like a marketer's dream because my it really is personal stance is that you know, at, deep at heart, at least most marketers have that creative side, and it's often suppressed by a 
like too much focus on a specific number, right? And I, I feel like numbers are important. Don't get me wrong. We have to measure results, but at the same time, uh, there's also this kind of creative thing where you just like want to go out and try something, right? And yeah. many companies kill that at birth by saying what what outcome do you expect and what number does it drive, right? And sometimes there's yeah. a, there's no number, right? So by taking that away, it almost creates a lot of creative space. Yeah, especially since we're bootstrapped too, so we don't have investors that we need to do anything for so it's yeah it's it's a completely different ballpark when you're working self-funded bootstrapped yeah so it's it's a lot of fun working here at hfs lots of things that we can try and we just need to justify why we want to try it and then if we get the okay it's time to go that's it yeah i think you're setting an example there for many other companies at least i hope that um to or maybe two or three more questions about youtube um what is something that's you have learned that you didn't know before you started with YouTube yeah everything <laughs> I, I didn't know how to do YouTube like I try to start my own YouTube channel um, it wasn't great like it just is pretty bad actually uh, I haven't updated anything there I think since like 2015 or 2617 maybe um, but yeah I basically came in without much knowledge but over time I guess what I really learned uh, I guess starting from Ahrefs is YouTube SEO. So like I, I find it to be just so stupid simple now because there's not as much competition. Uh, whereas like Google, like there's just so many factors. Whereas on YouTube, I, I feel like it's just like engaging your audience, keeping them on the, the YouTube platform for as long as possible. Basic meta related things like your titles, descriptions and tags. I don't think it even does anything to be honest with you. Uh, but it's just attention. It's an attention platform. So if you can hold people's attention for longer, naturally, you just start ranking. It's crazy. It's just crazy how fast it works. And in terms of like channel authority, like anytime we publish anything with the word SEO in the title, as soon as we publish that video, we'll rank in the top three for like an hour or two. It just happens. And then they're just kind of like trying to figure out where we should go. Um, and it's just kind of an interesting thing. Same with keyword research or link building. It's Literally, as soon as we publish, it's just boom at the top for a little bit, starts moving around a little bit, and then sometimes it settles here, sometimes it drops, and then later on it'll come back up. It, it's kind of a strange behavior where you can't 100% predict it, but at the same time, it comes down to the performance of the video, which is something that I, I really like. It's yeah, It, it kind of gives people the chance where, you know, with SEO, like you need links. Links aren't exactly easy to come by when you're, especially when you're new to it. And so I feel like it gives the more talented people, I guess, a chance to actually rank without having the marketing know-how that's required in SEO. I have a whole bunch of questions about links. But um, before we dive into that, how do you think about attention? How do you think about holding your audience's attention? Uh, yeah, so number one is is editing. So the way that we edit, a lot of it is like you won't see my face for too long. And people get tired of looking at my face. And I'm not offended. Like, I get it. And so, <laughs> you know, we'll switch between screencasts uh, with more complicated with more complicated things where, like, if I'm explaining how crawling works, then, you know, we'll use an animation because that's a lot better than static images or something like that. And because we have a person who can do that for us, you know, we're, we're able to create those things. So we basically try and create something that's um, that's dynamic. Basically, things are constantly changing. Or even if we're on a screencast, you'll rarely see just the full screen without 
like highlighting to a part or zoom zooming into a part or like if I say to click top pages in Site Explorer, then we'll circle that part and we'll zoom into it so they know exactly where it is. And so it's just constantly moving is that it gets people's brains working as we're going through it. It's easy to follow. Whereas if you get lost, you're gone. Um, so that's number one. Number two is the the whole editing process that helps big time is because we're cutting out a lot of fluff. We're cutting out things where it's like, can we actually prove this statement or is it just based on what SEOs think or what we think? And so when we cut those things out, it shortens the script substantially. So that helps too. Uh, and then there are other parts where you look at uh, that we learned from previous videos. So in one of the videos, I said, take a screenshot and let's move on to the next part or something like that. And what happens on the screen is there's a list of keyword modifiers and the screen kind of pops out for a second with like a flash sound. So it's like, take a screenshot and let's move on. And then it's the next screen. But what ends up happening is that you start to see a bump in the audience retention graph. And so what's happening there is that people are actually going back to take a screenshot. And so these bumps that you see in your audience retention graph, when you see like little bumps like this throughout certain parts, you should look at those and see what you did and start reusing them when you can. So that actually worked out quite well for us for that video. It wasn't planned, but then I tried it again and I tried it eight times or seven or eight times in another video, an SEO checklist, and it didn't work. Uh, and then I tried it again for showing the same list of keyword modifiers in a different video, and it worked. So it's really about understanding like why it is that people are rewinding and then why they're watching that part again. Or there's certain animations that people will watch again because it's just a complicated concept. Or certain parts that were meant to be somewhat humorous. So they'll rewind and watch those again. And so when you start to see these, I think people tend to call them true bumps of engagement, then you start to use those again and recycle them in your videos going forward. Wow. So besides yeah. that, what is something that you wish you knew when you started? It sounds like you, you learned everything. So if you had to pick something besides what you just told me about our attention, um, what would you have loved to know when you started? I guess how to create better videos. Like our videos in the beginning were really bad. Uh, in my opinion, at least. I, I felt like they were really bad. Um, but I think it would have really come down to script writing. It's different from, from writing blog posts. Uh, in some ways, it's easier. In other ways, it's trickier. So I think if I could have mastered script writing and I guess storytelling is would have been a big one uh, for YouTube. Uh, I try and integrate stories here and there, but I still have a hard time with that, actually. Um, at least in the tutorial format. So I think that's probably what I would have wanted to master first. Uh, and then things like YouTube SEO, like that stuff comes in later. And yeah, if I was starting a new channel or a small channel at the time, which was around 11, 12,000 subscribers, um, yeah, I would have just gone for long tail related search terms and start building an audience slowly but surely. It's like, it's like the link graph that literally just goes like this uh, instead of links and subscribers. And then now we can kind of just publish, I can kind of publish whatever I want there now um, and just kind of experiment. So yeah, I have a, a fun little experiment that's coming up, but yeah, that's related to links. So maybe we'll, we'll talk about that later, but yeah. We certainly will. Um, closing this out real quick. Um, what is some material could be videos, books, articles that have, or that are helping you to get better at um, the whole kind of idea of, of storytelling and um, 
you know, uh, other things that you hope you, you wish when you start out? Uh, books, I, I, I don't, yeah, I haven't read many books in a while. It's just, it's tough with, with kids just to find the time to do that. Um, in terms of video, like the way that I usually learn is by observation, not so much like reading a tutorial. So I like to look at a lot of the bigger channels that are completely outside of the SEO and marketing area. And so I watch how they tell stories. So one YouTuber that I think is really good at this is Peter McKinnon. I don't know if you've if you've seen him, but he yeah. is a fantastic storyteller. Uh, he's like a vlogger, but it doesn't really feel like a vlog. Uh, and he like I'm not usually swayed by videos and stuff so much, but like he had this one video that was something like the best gift ever or something like that. And he basically tells a story of how someone gave him the best possible gift, which was a photo of himself, uh, where he was speaking on the stage. And after he had given his talk, he had a standing ovation. And that's something that he had dreamt of as a child. And somebody happened to capture that and they created it on a canvas and sent it to him. And the way that he tells the story is just like, like there's emotions built into it and whatever. And then there's a call to action at the end which is to give the gift of photography to someone that you care and love or whatever it is. And so I was just like, I'm not a photographer, but shoot, okay. So I actually took a photo of my wife and kids and then I gave that to her as a gift. And I was like, I'm giving you the gift of photography is what I told her. And she's just like, <laughs> she's like, huh? Like, where's this coming from kind of thing? But yeah, like it's to that point that his storytelling, I feel is so good that he can just really, uh, yeah, like, I don't know anyone that's better at it than him. Like, there's Casey Neistat also. Um, but, uh, yeah, Peter McKinnon is a good one. Another one that I watch is, uh, I don't know the channel name, but they do a lot of the uh, storytelling through, like, the um, like the animation graphics where they explain concepts. Like, they tell the story of the Holocaust or something, and then they'll, like, explain it through animations in terms of everything that happened. And it's literally like watching a movie. It's just you're watching the story of it. So... When you start to see these things, you start to come up with ideas and how it applies to your industry, your videos. And yeah, I feel like it, it, it just works really well. Yeah. yeah. So the storytelling is, it's such a hard thing to master. It is, I feel like it's the holy grail of marketing and it's everything, right? Like, so if you, if you kind of close the loop here, I think attention is very much the marketer's currency. And I think storytelling is kind of the vehicle to get there. And I think like whenever I look at, people who I really look up to, they're all amazing storytellers. So um, I just recently saw a video of, for example, Steve Jobs, which I don't remember what year it was, but it was um, at the WWDC. No, sorry. It was the uh, Worldwide Mobile Conference. Um, and he got criticized with a with a question uh, on stage and he came back with this super powerful story and just pulled the whole audience on his side and it comes across so effortless and so subtle, right? So I, I think that is is the key to like everything. It's sales, it's it's marketing, it is. it's like leadership and all that kind of stuff. So huge fan of storytelling. Yeah, completely agree with you. Yeah. Um, so you also mentioned hockey stick, um, like growth, and you compared that to uh, the link graph. So let's let's dive into link building. Um, before the um, interview, I kind of. Uh, asked you what you're excited about at the moment, and you mentioned link automation. Uh, can you can you just tell us more about that? Yeah, so with link building, a lot of the stuff is repetition, right? Which is why a lot of people um, hire VAs 
to do things like find contacts, find email addresses, whatever it is. Uh, and so I had this hypothesis as I was like working with different APIs, like even just like Hunter and uh, Never Bounces APIs, I was working with it. And as I started to work more with these, I was like, I feel like you can almost fully automate link building. I had this like weird kind of hypothesis about it. And in the case that we were to go with like looking at the top ranking pages backlinks, you could technically use a SERP API and just enter a keyword. So you have to have some kind of input. So you enter the keyword you want to rank for and then pull the SERP and then use Ahrefs API to pull backlinks. And then you basically have your own built-in filters where you would exclude sites like Blogspot or whatever it is based on filters or like where the URL contains the word form or view thread or whatever it is. And you're just excluding these backlinks. And then eventually, if you can scrape the author names from these pages and then take those author names, you take the first name and the last name and you put it in through Hunter's API. And in the case that an email is returned, then you verify that email through Neverbounce's API. Then now you have a fully automated way to get emails ready to send at least. You still have to write the outreach email. Uh, and so I started working with this whole concept and I was like, you know, there, it has to be more complicated than I'm thinking. Like it makes sense logically to me, but it has to be more complicated. So I started building an author scraper. And so basically I would just input like a list of URLs and it would try and scrape an author's name from it. And I started to get decent results. So I scraped, uh, I basically use Content Explorer. So with Content Explorer, uh, it shows author names when it's available. And I just basically took 100 URLs that had author names and then I tried to recreate that for myself. Um, but the thing is that Content Explorer also misses a lot of these these author names because it's it's based on a very few number of, uh, I guess, footprints or whatever it is that it's using to, to take this out. So I started building a huge list of CSS selectors of where, like, w of how people are using author names. And a lot of them are just the exact same as you go through them, right? And then there's some that are in the, uh, the JSON-LD code. Uh, and so I started building a list. And I was like, you know what? I want to put this to the test. So I don't have, like, a site that I'm actually working on now. But then with, with Ahrefs, uh, we decided to to run an experiment on building links to a stats page. So it's kind of like link bait, right? right. Um, and so I took 100, uh, 902 URLs and I used my scraper. And from the 902 URLs, 741 had scraped author names. It wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect. Um, and then basically from those 741 author names, uh, we found 452 emails through Hunter. 168 of the, 168 of those were valid emails, and that was verified through Neverbounce. And then there was 92 catch-all emails. So basically, like the server is going to accept all those emails, regardless if you send it to a, a junk email or not. Uh, but then a really quick way to actually look through those not, those catch-all emails to see if they're valid is you copy and paste all of them into like a Gmail sendbox, and then or like a compose like in Gmail, and then you just hover over the names, and if you see a, a profile picture then they're valid, right? right? Or they're most likely valid, I should say. And so 14 of those actually came out. So from our 902 initial URLs, uh, we had 182 author emails, so the actual authors of the emails, ready to send literally within a matter of minutes. And so, and then from there, it's just actually like, for us, like we're not into just like shotgun emailing. So we would actually, someone actually went and viewed it. But in terms of the time that it saves, to actually automate that process 
And this was only a part of the automation was author scraping to hunter to never mounts, right? And it just saves a ton of time. And in the case that we did go shotgun, we could have sent 182 emails literally within like minutes from having a list of prospects, which is like crazy fast in my opinion. I've worked with a lot of VAs throughout my time and there's usually a lot of human error that comes from that. There's a lot of generic emails that come from that, like support at domain.com. And from my experience, they don't convert as well. So um, yeah, so basically the project is still ongoing right now and it, it's going decently. But uh, yeah, that was just kind of the way to kickstart a link building campaign. And just in my own spare time, like the stuff that I do for fun is basically try and create these automations and and just kind of see what's happening. But yeah, it's, it, it's huge in my opinion. And I feel like some of these outreach companies need to start doing something about it. Oh, 100%. That sounds like a super smart idea. So to take a step back, how did you like build this scraper and how, how do you know how to do that? Yeah, okay. So when, when I built my first website in 2009, this was that e-commerce site. Um, like my website just looks so garbage. I look, I, I found the, like I learned basic HTML then. And then I started trying to hire people. I was pretty much straight out of college. So I didn't have any money. So they were trying to charge me, I don't know, like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars And I was like, you're joking, right? So I had to figure it out. I built my e-commerce site on Magento at the time. Uh, and I had to learn PHP. So I had to learn PHP there. Uh, I learned how to work with APIs. And if you learn how to use PHP, you basically need to learn like MySQL. So I had to learn the database side of things. And then like syntax is different from language to language. So like I can read JavaScript, I can't write it. Um, but yeah, I basically just had to learn it on my own just over time. And yeah, so I can basically create these tools. Like it's really, really janky code, but yeah. Sounds like you're having the product out pretty soon. <laughs> You know, I thought about that before. Like, I, I basically created my own outreach tool uh, three or four years ago, and it worked really well, but it, it's just so buggy, and now it just doesn't work because, like, this was, like, PHP 5.3 or something, or I don't know what it was. I think they're at, like, 7 point something now. So, yeah, a lot of things don't work. A lot of functions have been deprecated, but, um, yeah, but... Yeah, I don't know. I thought about it, but I, I just like kind of keeping it for myself and, and just working on projects for myself. Yeah, yeah. I totally get that. But the, again, like the, I think the idea is pretty smart in automating a lot of that, what we do manually already. And then you could probably even automate some of the um, template creation. So I wonder why there isn't, or maybe there is one out there that, that I don't know yet of, but I wonder why there isn't a tool that would allow you to just throw in five different templates and it would A-B test them all until it finds the winner. Uh yeah, that would be interesting, actually. Like, the way that I do it, to kind of keep it personalized, too, because I, I don't like sending out uh, spammy emails, um, I like to segment my links. So, for example, with the SEO stats one, um, we're basically contacting people based on specific stats that, that they've mentioned. And so, in that case, in Site Explorer, in the backlinks report, I'll just use the include the include search box and let's say for example one of the stats was 93 percent then i'll type in 93 there you can do this all through sheets too but i prefer to just do it in inside explorer and then i'll export all the 93 percent people and then there's my one segment um and so then they'll get a specific email that's personalized to that stat that they've mentioned does that make sense absolutely yeah and so it it, it allows it to be a little bit less spammy um and yeah instead of like creating Five. Well, I guess we technically created seven emails, but they're all done through merge fields. Yeah. Yeah. Outreach is still 
It's very tricky. I still get way too many really, really bad outreach emails. Yeah. I wonder why there, you know, like why there isn't a better way uh, of doing that. So, uh, yeah. but I, I assume that you do all of that for personal projects. And um, is there is there any kind of MVP that you have tried out? And can you talk about some of the early results, or is it is it still too early? MVP for which? For your uh, link automation tool. Oh, this is just like my personal stuff. Like I'm not. I'm it, like the MVP was created three years ago, but uh, in terms of what it is now, I'm rebuilding it for, like I, I've gotten better at link building over the past three years for sure. And so um, I'm basically just creating something for myself and improving on it right now. Uh, but yeah, like it's basically my weekend hustle is I, I, I'm creating this tool and um, it's it's not meant to be com a commercial tool. Yeah, I think there is a mm -hmm. ton of potential to, um, mm -hmm. to, to be a lot more sophisticated with what the current opportunities hold. Yeah, I feel like Pitchbox is starting to do that. Uh, do, you, do you have a Pitchbox account? We do. Yeah, so like they find emails um, for the prospects, but as far as I understand, they only uh, they give you emails that they have in their database, which is probably scraped in, in a similar way as Hunter, is my guess. Um, but yeah, I think if, if these guys can get onto this whole like author scraping, uh, that's huge, man. Like it's, it's massive. Like if I look at my stats right now, I think like 90, 92% of the people who actually link to us are the actual authors, not the editors or generic emails. Mm -hmm. Um, like this isn't in a ton of emails by the way, but it's like, yeah, this isn't in a ton of emails, but yeah, 11 of our 16, um, links are from authors, not editors or generic or, or other. Yeah. There's just so much more opportunity to find out more about a person on the internet. Uh, I think that's like one of the biggest issues that I see with exactly. outreach. It's so generic. It's so dry. It's like yeah. you, you really feel that it's copy pasted, but why not use a Twitter API to see what they're most, exactly. you know, like there's so much information you can publicly get to get a foot in the door, to build a relationship and then to, um, to eventually get your link. So yeah, it still, it still feels like a big shotgun approach in most cases where you just like, yeah. you send 100 emails, you get two links from it, right? But I think th that part of the conversion funnel can still be maximized. I 100% agree. There's actually a full contacts API. I don't know if you've heard of full contact. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't used their API in years, but I think they gave like through the API, I think you could grab uh, like cities, uh, social profiles uh, of those people, then you can actually look through and you can technically go into Twitter's API and create kind of something similar to what uh, I think BuzzStream has it, where they show you like the last X tweets or whatever it is. Like you can kind of get a better understanding of of who these people are, what they're interested in, and um, kind of how you can connect better. But yeah, there's there's so many of APIs available. A lot of them people just don't know about. But yeah, those are yeah. the ones that I. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait for SparkToro to also release an API so that we can. Mm. You know, there's so I feel like once you fetch that type of data from several different sources, I think then it becomes really good and then becomes a bit oh, more yeah. reliable. Huge. So Sam, to finish this up, um, two more questions. The first one is who besides people like Peter McKinnon, Casey Neistat, who's someone you're inspired by or you follow or you look up to? Specifically in the SEO space? In general. Uh, in general, I don't like there's, in the SEO space, like the people that I I tend to follow, uh, it's probably pretty much just uh, Glenn Alsop. Whenever he does publish something, uh, he just brings something new to the table pretty much every time. So I I enjoy reading his stuff. 
occasionally authority hacker. I just feel like they're really into systems. Um, so I'll very occasionally listen to their podcast. I haven't listened to it in a little while, but I used to listen to it. Uh, in terms of people that I really look up to, uh, one is Barack Obama. Uh, I think he he's kind of the type to just, it seems at least, I'm not even in America, right? But uh, it seems to bring more good out of people. Um, I'm not going to get into politics now, but uh, <laughs> let's just leave it at that. Uh, oh, geez. Anyway. Um, yeah, another person that I... I, that I look up to is, is our CEO and founder, Dimitri. Mm-hmm. So I've only met him once. Uh, but something that most people wouldn't know because they don't get a chance to speak with him is uh, he's very, like, he really stands by his integrity. So if he thinks that something is wrong or it's unethical, it's just canceled off the table no matter what. Whereas I've worked with a lot of CEOs, CMOs, CTOs at small and mid-sized companies uh, and there's usually something that will make someone crack. Um, it's very easy to get greedy about money or about whatever it is, about growth, whatever it is that you need to fulfill. Uh, but something about him is that he's really just sticks to his guns. It's like, don't believe in that. That's against our philosophy. Move on. It's just no questions about it. So it, it's something really interesting uh, yeah, about him, which is also another reason why I, I really enjoy being here is because leadership is good here so uh yeah that's basically it in terms of uh, the people that i'm following i follow traders too but um that that's different it's not that i look up to them i just kind of enjoy their insights interesting um and the very last question then i'll let you go is uh where can people find you i guess twitter uh youtube youtube obviously just youtube just search for hrefs um i'm pretty much the only person there uh, recently, at least, Tim released the course, the Blogging for Business course there, too. Um, and then Twitter, uh, it would be SamSGOH. Thank you so much, Sam. Hey, that was a super insightful conversation. I have so many ideas right now, and I learned so much from yeah. you, so I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I hope to have you on for a second round sometime soon. Um, and again, I want to wish you all the best, and thank you so much. Thanks for having me.